Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask your forgiveness. Forgive us when we reign in our hearts, doing what we want, living how we want. I pray we would know that uh, you do reign. We say that and we preach that, but truly in this world, you reign. You reign supreme. You will reign for eternity. I pray the Holy Spirit convicts us of that and convicts us of our desire to reign and then melts our heart and, and we allow your grace to enter into our life and change our life to raise your kingdom here in this city and all over the world. That can happen by the power of your Holy Spirit. I believe that. May we believe it more. May it happen more and more in the life of the individuals of this church family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you all again for, uh, for being with us. And if you would uh, take your Bible or a Bible. We have some Bibles uh, up there on the table. If you don't have one, we'd love to give one to you. Turn to Jeremiah. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29. Uh, is actually a famous, uh, this is a famous chapter. Uh, many of you know some of the verses I'm going to read, but you may not know it uh, in this context. I'm going to read Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 14, 10 verses. And we're talking about being for the city. And that sounds like a, a big local missions theme. It is, but it's so much more. It is how we live individually, our lives, here where God has placed us, and then how we as a church can be his church in this city. It is service, but it's also simply how we live with our neighbors, in our work, with our family. And I believe that this passage tells us a lot, gives us some answers uh, on how to do that. So, Jeremiah chapter 29, starting with verse 4. This is actually a letter that God has written to these people, his people, the Israelites, but also to us. Verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Being for a city, being for this city, this larger city, as Christians, as followers of Christ, how do we do that? Again, I think this passage gives us some answers. Why? Well, I want you to know a little background, the context, the history of Jeremiah. You see, God's people had lived for years and years worshiping him in Jerusalem. They were all together. And then Jerusalem was conquered, sacked. And God's people, his chosen people, were led from Jerusalem all the way to what is today literally around present-day Baghdad or Iraq, walking through the desert into captivity, exiled into this new city, Babylon, where they were very different. And there were lots and lots of different people, lots of exiles. Babylon was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. So they conquered Jerusalem, took these people, and here they were in a distant land, in a distant new home. Passage says they'd be there for 70 years. And there were a lot of different people that had been conquered. There was a lot of division. You may think, well, that was then. It was very similar to today. Very similar to today. Very similar to to the city we live. Really very similar to every city. But if you think about it, you think about Jackson, Metro Jackson. And I've said this before, and I mean, it kind of is what it is. And, And I'm not a native Jacksonian, but... I mean, I think we all see it, their, their division. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got Madison and folks that live there. Yesterday I was out at the Flowood Park with my boys, folks that live Rankin County. You've got the Northeast Jackson. You've got Fondren. You've got Bellhaven. People live in their little pockets. And yes, they kind of come together, but they're, they're different cultures, even when this metro area. And that's not even throwing, you know, the race stuff in there. Not, you know, like trying to play the race car, but I'm just saying, you know, it is what it is. Just saying here. It's where we live. A lot of, a lot of different tribes around here. And I could say our larger culture in general. I mean, our, our nation now is a place where there's a lot of division. I mean, we, we can see it politically, but, you know, either someone's really, really liberal, and, you know, the conservatives are like, man, they're just, you know, they're, they're ruining the country, or... The liberals are like, well, they're just really, really conservative and they're ruining the country. And now with the internet and the blogosphere and all that, you got these folks on the fringes that can just come up and up and, and write and speak and talk. And it's just like a lot of, a lot of division. And my, my question for me, for us, is like, how does a follower of Christ live in that culture? Whether it's locally here in Jackson, whether it's in this society. How does a follower of Christ really stay true to Christ? How do we be for the city? How do we be for his kingdom in this city? Truly, we take sides? Yes, we're always for the side of Christ. But I mean, do we, do we reach those folks? How do we reach them? How do we truly be for Christ in this city where we are? I believe this passage gives us some insight. I believe this passage shows us three things. Very simple. One, the wrong way to live in a city. 
Second, God's way to live in a city. And third, how to have the power to do it. Wrong way, God's way, how to have the power to do it. First, the wrong way. Now, Babylon had taken the Jewish folks. They were in Babylon. And there were a lot of different folks in Babylon, okay? They had conquered a lot of territory. And the Babylonians, they, they had seen that, you know, if they made people slaves, because, I mean, they were the rulers, if they just made them slaves, those people, those slaves, would one day revolt, and there'd just be some, some damages. There's some casualties. Usually the Babylonians would wipe them out, but people would die, there'd be bloodshed. It'd get messy. So the Babylonians thought of an ingenious way to take over peoples, nations. They said, we'll capture them. We'll bring them into this city. And then we'll assimilate them into our lifestyle. We'll assimilate them into our culture. And then a generation or two or three, they'll be gone. Because they'll become like us. They'll become like Babylonians. You see this if you read the book of Daniel. First chapter of the book of Daniel, they take the the brightest men, Daniel being one of them, they said, hey, we want to teach you the language and the customs and the culture of Babylon. You see it, that's, that's their plan, that's their method, and it, it wipes people out. So the plan was to wipe God's people out, very slyly, bringing them in, teaching them, and then, again, a generation or two, they forget. God says, no. God says, verse 6, he says, do not decrease... Do not decrease. Stay committed to me. Live there and and don't lose your history. Don't lose your faith. Do not decrease. And see, we can get assimilated too. You say, no, no, no. Now listen. Here, today, this city, this time, it's very easy. To see sin, to say, everybody's doing it. Why shouldn't I? I mean, little things that we don't think are very big. Gossip. Everybody's gossiping. Everybody's saying something. I can, I can do that. Hey, everybody's got a fifty or $70,000 car. We need one, even though it wrecks our budget. Keep it up with the Joneses. Everybody's doing that. Hey, sleeping around. Seriously, everybody's kind of doing that. It is easy, more easy than we like to think, to be assimilated into the culture of sin. And when we're there, we don't even realize it. Just like this day and time, that was what they hoped, that they just wake up and they'd have forgotten who they were, who their God was. They'd have a new religion, new way of life. Sin is that way. You kind of get assimilated into it. And you don't even realize you got a new life. Not only in like habits and bad stuff, but also assimilated into, hey, you got to work to be a good Christian. You got to look the part. We buy into that. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is you're saved by grace. The gospel is Jesus has done everything. Simply believe. The wrong way to live is to be assimilated into sin. Now, there was another way. God wrote this letter, and he wrote it because there were other prophets that were saying, do not live in Babylon. Live outside the city, and God will rescue us 
very soon. They were saying like two or three years. Actually, you read chapter 28, and we, couldn't, we don't have time for that, but there's a prophet, Hananiah, that says, do not go into Babylon. Stay outside the city. Be this little tribe. Chapter 29, God says the opposite. No, go in deep. Go into the life of the city. And look, the same can happen for us. We see the problems, we see the challenges, and we say, let's retreat. Let's put on our good Christian suits and our good Christian smiles and say, hey, the grass is greener in our pristine churches and it's brown and gray out there. And let's cloister in and we got our little Christian tribe and we're okay. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to live that way. God is saying no. God is saying here, it's like, you're going to be here a little bit longer than two or three years. You're going to be here for 70. And he's saying, I need you to enter in fully, completely. So the wrong way to live in the city is to be assimilated into the sin of the city, and that can easily happen, or to separate from it. God is saying neither of those. So what is God's way to live in a city? What is God's way to be for a city? Remember, foreign city, anti-God, Babylon. Remember, a lot of division. Remember, a lot of different tribes, different peoples. I mean, just a melting pot, a mess, racially, culturally. What does God say? Key couple verses here, verse 5 through 7. I'm going to say it again. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God is saying, my way to live in this city, in this time where he's placed these people, he's like, get in there. Live for me. Multiply. Do not decrease. Grow your families for God. Pray for the welfare of the city. He's saying, man, go all the way in, in all that mess, and live for me. Do not forget. Do not lose your faith. Be different. And yes, you will probably be persecuted. And yes, we would be persecuted. But to live as his people, as citizens of God, people for Christ... Here in this day and this time. And that, that may be hard to take. That may be hard to kind of comprehend, you know. It's easy to separate. But if you see all of history, and this is a, a broad statement, all of history, all of time, literally, and I preached about this the last two Sundays, as a tale of two cities, it makes sense. A tale of two cities. The city of man, the city of God. In every city, there are two cities. City of man, City of God. City of man is exhausting. It is climbing the totem pole. It is stepping on one another. It is getting boggled down in, in status and issues of, of you know trying to man get there and do that and get that job and get that connection and that relationship. And then people are stepping on you and you get angry. It's exhausting. You all ever feel exhausted like that? Keeping up with the junk, catching up, all of that. And it's oppressive, too, because in our race to do that, we forget about the, the least of these, honestly, that Jesus calls us to, the poor. 
I mean, at best, we say, ah, man, you know, I'm, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to live my life. And, you know, man, they can just, you know, they just, hey, got, got a bad hand. Let them go. I mean, I've never said that. Hey, look, I've said that. I mean, we, we may not, like, verbally say that, but we forget about the least of these. Or we say, man, too bad. And at worst, we may step on them. City of man, it is oppressive. It is exhausting. Then there's the city of God, who we are supposed to be, who we are called to be. I call it an alternate city in every city, an alternate lifestyle, countercultural, radical. What is it? It's grace. It's receiving his grace. It's saying, I've got so much love from Jesus Christ that I don't need the love that I'm seeking from, from peers or, or friends or this relationship I want or recognition in my job. I am content and, and serene. And God has loved me so much in Jesus. I can live for him. I can share his love. I can live his life. Having that confidence. It's the city of God. It starts in a heart. Grows in a church. It's what we call raising the kingdom. And they're two cities. How does that happen? I mean, because it's hard. It's very hard. I mean, they're like, you know, they're relationship challenges we have. There's bad schools. There's potholes. There's, I mean, how do we be citizens for Christ? How do we be the city of God? Here, now. Go back to God's word. Verse 7. Verse 7 is key. It says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. Do we pray for this city first? I mean, do we pray for it? Do we pray for the leaders of this city? Councilman, do we pray for the mayor of this city? Or mayors of Madison or Rankin? And I mean, I'm like, no. Hey, sometimes I'm like, no, I don't. But God is saying here, pray for the city. Pray for the city. I always find if I have a problem with a person, or if I have a problem with an issue, if I start praying about that person or about that issue, my heart begins to melt. It really does. And I would encourage you, the challenges that you have in your life, pray about it. And if you're really, truly praying, man, the Holy Spirit's going to work on you. Pray for the city. Look, there are big problems, big challenges. But we can start by praying for it. Jesus said it best. Matthew 5, he said, you are us, a city on a hill. Let your light shine. Let your deeds of love and service be seen. Those are Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. You are, we are, a separate city, an alternate city. Every city, a tale of two cities, a city of God. A city set on a hill by prayer, by acts of love and service. And then this very word, welfare, in verse 7. It's a controversial word, welfare. It's a different word in different translations. Some of it is shalom. That can be a controversial word. It essentially means peace. But the Hebrew version is it's much more different than we think of as welfare or peace or like shalom. It means the total flourishing of every aspect of life in this city. Total flourishing. And then what it says is, seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Did you catch that? 
when we're praying for the city, when we're being for the city, when we're loving for the city, our neighbor, a city on the hill, like Jesus says, Matthew 5, when we're doing deeds of service, when we seek its welfare, its shalom, we will find our welfare. If we say the city can go to hell in a handbasket, we're probably going to be some mad, angry people. Honestly. We're going to be people of division. If we are seeking its true shalom, the total flourishing, praying for it, praying for the leaders, God's word says, then we'll find our welfare. What does that look like? Uh, I said, pray for it. It's another way. Simple act of service. Something that happened to me this week. My neighbor mowed my yard. I mean, that was one of the best feelings in the world. You drive up to your house, and the yard is mowed. And I ain't got to do a, a darn thing. Excuse me. But, you know, I ain't got to do a thing. It's mowed. And I'm like, look, what happened? Our neighbor just said he wanted to mow our yard. And this guy doesn't go to church. You get that? I mean, we've invited him over and over again. But he's not, like, blatantly like, you know, Mr. Christian. But he did this deed of service. I really want him to come to church. We've invited him. But, you know, you see what I mean? Another way, we have some great B groups, our version of small groups. One B group, after last Sunday's uh, service, they said, we want to be for the city. Here's how we can do it. We are, throughout the fall, giving you opportunities to serve. But let me say this, man, I'll, be creative. If there's something, you, it, it doesn't have to be like, you know, this orchestrated plan by Bellwether. It can be that too. But this group said, you know, we want to be for the city. We want to serve. So they're chipping in and they're buying a deep freeze freezer for our office in Fondren. And they're going to keep it permanently stacked with meals. Meals for pregnant moms or new babies, families with babies, uh, people that walk into our office. They said, that's something we can do. They're like, we're a group of women. We like to cook. We can throw in by this deep freezer. We can even sometimes, when we meet as a small group, we'll go and you know, give food to folks that, that we know about as gifts of love. That is being for this city. That is seeking the overall shalom, the welfare, the peace of this city. How else? Well, larger scale. We're trying to do this thing, mentoring in a public school. We're at this great, beautiful facility in this private school. Private schools are great. They're public schools. This is an issue in this city. We're in a private school. We need to be in a public school. I don't know. That's, hey, look, I was a public school kid, born and raised. But, look, that thought brings me some challenges. I'll be honest. We need to be there, though. We need to do this. So we're going to try to mentor these kids in public schools. Next week also, we're having somebody come. Gene Henderson, a pastor, mentor, friend of mine, who's going to be talking about Transformation Jackson. It is a ministry trying to help churches partner with one another for this city. You know, we live in, in a, a day and time where it's hard. It seems like it's so hard to get churches just to partner together and work together. You know, we got our own little kingdoms we're trying to build. We don't want that culture here. We want to be for the city. We want to be for Christ in the city. We want to be for churches in the city. We want to be for raising the kingdom. And again, going back, it's, it's tough. It's hard. But it's the call of the church I've used this example the last two weeks. I'll use it again. I want it really seared in your mind. The early church, the early Christians, how did it grow so much? How did it explode? Yes, the Holy Spirit. But there were things they did. There were acts of service. One of the greatest, one of the greatest in the first couple hundred years, 
plagues would hit the great cities, Rome, Jerusalem, the church members stayed in the cities. The good moral people left and went away. And the Christians stayed. And many died. Many got sick. Many didn't. They would nurse these people, non-Christians, Christians back to health. And can you imagine... Can you imagine a person who is nursed back to health, who was not left for dead, and say, why did you stay? Why did you stay? And you say, you know, my life for yours, because somebody gave his life for me. The city of man, there's a culture of your life to serve me. The city of God is my life to serve you. It's really as simple as that. And when people are blown, you're like, you don't even, you could lose your life for me? Christianity grew. Churches grew. We need that. We need that. How do you get it? Remember, it's the wrong way to live. God's way. And that's God's way. How do we get it? Back to God's word. First, there's faith. Verse 11. Classic verse. One of my favorite verses. Having this faith, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, flourishing, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Having that faith. How else do we get it? Seeking God. Next verse says, You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Having faith God is there and has a future for us. Seeking Him. And when we seek Him, when we truly seek Him, we will see Jesus. Jesus. If you turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 13. A verse I used, a couple verses I used last week, but I want to hit them again. Hebrews 13. Having faith, seeking God, and finding Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Say that again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going down, whatever worries, whatever troubles, whatever challenges, and we can, this is biblical. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Everything else in our world and in our lives will change. Change is the only constant. That's false. Christ is the only constant. Why? Look at what he did. Verse 12. Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city to come. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Whatever you're going through, look to Him. What did He do? He was thrown outside the city. He ended His earthly ministry in Jerusalem and they kicked Him out to be killed brutally outside the city. Even more, He willingly left the city of God, the heavenly city, to come here for you, for me, for us. He came in love. He said, I'm going to give up this city for a while and I'm going to come and I'm going to be thrown out of an earthly city and brutally killed for us. And this passage goes on to say, so 
bear the reproach he endured. Because the thing is, if we live as his people, if we live as his citizens, we're going to get some reproach. We're going to get some persecution. It's kind of like, man, if he suffered, man, we can take a little suffering. Those early Christians said, I'm willing to die, but I'm staying. I'm ministering. I'm being for the city. This is where God's called me. This is my time. This is my place. This is my city for Christ. Because we don't seek a city here. We don't seek the things that these cities bring and give. We seek the city which is to come, which begins in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing Christ, which grows in the life of the church and His kingdom race until the heavenly city will come to earth again. That's our citizenship. That's our history. That's our story. That is good news. Okay. I'm one of these weird dudes who I like baseball more than football. Okay. And last night, okay, I was watching the Ole Miss game. Riley said I was wearing Texas orange. I, I, that did not mean to happen, okay? But I'm flipping through, going to football, and I'm actually watching this, this baseball game. It's the Dodgers and the Cardinals. I know, that's weird. I'm a baseball guy. I like baseball. My point being, I love the New York Yankees, okay? After every win, New York Yankees sing Frank Sinatra's song, New York, New York. How's that song go? If I can make it there can make it anywhere that's false too see for us Christians what we need to know we've already made it in the greatest city in the eternal city when you have Christ you have a mansion there so the truth is if you've made it there you can make it anywhere here I want you to know that Three things I start out with. The wrong way to live. God's way to live. How to do it. It's knowing. It's knowing your citizenship rests there. It's saying God has loved me so much and resting in that love that it empowers you to love others. And look, they're very different people. They're very different people in this church. They're very different people in this city. And a lot of times, what we like to do to make ourselves feel better for the, you know, the self-esteem is like they're so different that you know, they're bad and I'm glad I got it together and I'm good. And the church is an alternate community. People should get along in the church that would not get along out there. People should get along in the city of God that would not get along in the city of man. How does that happen? Because we believe and we know and I hope you know is that when we were utterly wrong, we were utterly bad, God loved us and Jesus died for us. When you know that love, it empowers us to love those who may be vastly different. That's raising his kingdom. That's being his city. That's being for the city. I pray you know the love of Christ. I pray you know that you have a mansion in the sky. I pray you know that we are called to be for this city. God's people there, the book of Jeremiah in Babylon, it's a tough time. They were looking at, say, 70 years, not my home. God say. Get in there. Get in the mess. Be for the city. Multiply. Do not decrease. Love your neighbor. Serve. Do acts of service. Pray for the city. Flourish there. And when it flourishes, you will flourish. Maybe do the same. The only way it happens is Jesus. The only way it happens is Jesus. When you are melted by his love for you, you can go and love others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, melt us. Melt us. Melt my heart, God. I have a hard heart. I don't want to love people that are different than me. I don't want to love this city. Just 
May we all, dear Lord, come to you in repentance. May we see what you're calling us to do and be and live. God, may we love people that are different from us. May we love them in prayer. May we love them in acts of service. May we love them in ministry. May we serve this city. Dear Lord, you have called us here. This is our life here. May we be for Christ here. God, wake us up. There's a city that is in need of you. And we reach people for Christ. That, that, is, that is a Sunday school cliche that, that God lives in my mind and can live in our mind, but we reach them through praying for them, through loving them. And when it's hard, man, let us see the love you have for every one of us. And may it melt us. And may it change us. And may it empower us. In the name of Jesus, amen.